up, what's up, what's good, and welcome to Finding Fiji. I am Fiji, if this is your first time here. So today's episode is one um, near and dear to my heart because we are talking about fallacies. Aristotle um, gave us 13. So that is what we're going to cover today. Aristotle's 13 fallacies. Now, before I tell you what fallacies are, I'm going to tell you that this is what you want to know if you've ever had an argument. And I know that says nothing and everything at the same time. I love fallacies. I love the concept of it, the thought of it. It blows my mind that you can literally organize an argument like there's levels to the shit. So a fallacy. Well, you know what? Let me give you guys the textbook definition so that I can give you some context. According to um, Wikipedia and, you know, random Google searches, because if you've never heard of this, trust me, it is pretty common to find the fallacies. So fallacies are unsubstantiated assertions that are often delivered with conviction that makes them sound like proven fact. They are used in place of valid reasoning to communicate a point with the intention to persuade. The history of fallacies dates back to the 3rd century BCE. BCE stands for Before Common Era, um, also equivalent to Before Christ. Obviously, the art of arguing has been around since language, but Aristotle is the very famous philosopher who went about organizing and making a list of what these fallacies were or what these tools for deductive reasoning are. If you look them up today, um, you will find over a hundred. And so I think I saw like 148, 149 different fallacies. So there is definitely been expounded on. Now, if you decide to do some research on this and look this up, there are going to be different categories. Different philosophers or scholars have, you know, separated them into like informal, formal, verbal, materialistic, linguistic, non-linguistic. The categories, in my personal opinion, really do not matter unless you plan on debating fallacies themselves, in which point you should probably know all these. But nonetheless, I'm going to skip over that part. Um, it is not pertinent to the information I'm about to give you, but feel free to look them up. Um, you can find, obviously, Wikipedia is a great place to find everything. Obviously, it's not the one all and be all. It is not um, foolproof. It's not always cited. But Wikipedia will give you context if you are having a hard time understanding what it is you're reading. I use Wikipedia all the time in my research just as a way to simplify all the heavy material I literally just read. I can go to Wikipedia and someone has summed it up for me. And that way it helps me go back and understand. So, I mean, a quick study tip for you. Other places that I found this information is one is a great place. 
um, that I literally just found when I was looking this up. And it is a website called Logically Fallacious. Now, there is a man who wrote a book about fallacies and how to use them in deductive reasoning. Um, so he, I guess he's the person who made this website because he keeps advertising on it. <laughs> but, uh, logically fallacious is, uh, was really informative. It gave, um, some great examples for us that are way better than Wikipedia. Um, another website that I got some information from was the UK Miners. UKEP.edu. This, I don't really know how credible this is. It definitely has all the fallacies. Um, fallacies themselves are just anything you can Google. Um, there is not, you know, you don't have to buy any textbooks or read any specific books unless you would like some scholar or some person who put in the effort to write a book to explain to you. Um, you know, and break down reasoning and, you know, the purpose of it, whether it's for your business or if you just want to be better at arguing and winning debates or um, these are actually fallacies in general are things that you do cover in law school. So if you just are heading in that direction, um, all these websites will help you organize and retain this information a little better. So without further ado, we're going to get right into the meat of this. So the first fallacy that Aristotle brings us is equivocation. So equivocation happens when you use a word or phrase with different senses of meaning leading to a false conclusion. Let me give you some examples. So if I was going to commit that fallacy, um, I would say, Oh, well, you told me to have a good time after I've, you know, got drunk and crashed the car. And so then the response would be, well, I told you to have a good time. I didn't tell you to go do this. So that is me purposely um, skewing the meaning of what they said. Now, it doesn't always happen purposely. Most of the time, it, it could be. Now, uh, you know, scratch that. Uh, I'm pretty sure if you're doing that, you're doing it on purpose. But people do that a lot to prove a logic. Um, I can give you a perfect example of someone talking to me about what faith is. When you talk about, you know, faith is always believing without sight. And their example they gave was, when you go to a doctor, you believe that that person has a degree and logically you would say, well, I can see the plaque right on the wall. And then they would say, but you don't know that they have one. That's faith, which is a fallacy. Um, because obviously when we talk about faith in the, in the original sense of that conversation, we're talking about a belief system, our spirituality. We're not talking about someone's degree. So that is someone purposely skewing the meaning of the word to prove a point. So our next fallacy is the amphibology or syntactic ambiguity. I'm sorry, y'all. Y'all, I know y'all can hear this lisp. Okay, I'm 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 working. I'm trying. So this fallacy is when a sentence can be interpreted in more than one way because of ambiguous sentence structure. Now, ambiguous just means unclear. I don't know if you guys remember Mike Posner, but he has a song called Ambiguous, and it's a good reference if you don't know what the word means. 
but uh so here's an example um this one is kind of what the you know internet gave me so i'm gonna give you that one and then i'm gonna see if i can get you one that'll be more closely related to like our present day culture so the one they gave says john saw the man on the mountain with the telescope and the reason why this is a fallacy because in that sentence, John saw a man on the mountain with a telescope. It's not clear whether John was looking through the telescope and saw the man, or John saw the man and the man had the telescope. Another one, um, which is actually also not mine, but it says that this is another example for the syntactic ambiguity. And, and the sentence goes, it said that we have a good understanding of our universe. Therefore, we know exactly how it begins and ends. Now, that doesn't really sound that like a fallacy, you know, but the reason why it's considered one is because what is good understanding? Define what good understanding is. It's not clear. You don't really know. So because you don't know what good understanding is, can you really conclude that we know the beginning and the end? So if you're still a little confused on what a fallacy is, um, you should be kind of understanding by now that it is literally just the mistakes we make in logic and reasoning and when, when we're arguing. It's the mistakes that we all make. It's, you know, the rush to prove a point by doing it by any means without actually backing up what we're saying. And if someone is not well versed in this, if they're not used to this, then you do get got. You will someone will pull the wool over your eyes with any of these type of phrases or or argument points because it, it none of these things having are fact based. Or if they're fact based, they're drawing a conclusion that has nothing to do with it. So outside of lawyers, I will say politicians definitely turn this into a sport. So on to our next fallacy, which is composition, also known as faulty induction. Composition is when someone infers that something is true of the whole because it is true of the part. Um, I'm going to give you a few examples of this. And first example is no atoms are alive, so nothing is alive. So that is someone taking the part of something and taking a characteristic of an atom, which is the fact that it is not alive, and taking that information and putting that trait onto the whole, which is would be you as a person. So since atoms are not alive, you are not alive. That is why it's a fallacy. It is not a fact, but people will do that to you. So I'm going to give you some real world examples of this fallacy in play. And one I hear quite frequently, one vote doesn't count. So none of our votes count. And I know that many of us have heard this all the time. Someone saying that my vote doesn't matter. So voting doesn't matter. Now, one person's vote actually does matter if we all know. One grain of sand doesn't mean anything, but if you got a pound of sand, that's a big difference, right? So another one, this employee is a thief, so the business must be shady. So that is taking a characteristic of one of the employees and applying it to the whole business. And we can go on all day about how about this fallacy because we do it all the time. Um, you know, 
in our clothes. This is a size 13, so I must be able to fit all the size 13s, which obviously as women, I don't know if you men realize this, but all clothes are not created equal. <laughs> On to the next fallacy, the division fallacy, the faulty deductive fallacy. And this is literally the almost the same as the composition, but on the opposite end, right? So this one says, when one reason because something is true of the whole must be true of the part. So that is literally the inflection or, you know, it on the opposite end of the last one we just read. So I'll give you an example of that one. The restaurant sells a lot of liquor. I'm a patron at this restaurant, so I drink a lot of liquor, which obviously I wouldn't say that about myself, but that is something someone could say. For example, the owner of Papa John's is racist, so his establishment must be racist. So that is taking the characteristic of a whole and putting it on the smaller people. That's like saying Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, is rich, so the employees of Amazon must be rich which we all know that that is not how that works. So on to the next one. Like I said, I love these. We don't realize how much we say them and we repeat them and regurgitate them in our everyday language and speech. And we do all the time. And if someone even tried to remove all these from their language, I guarantee you probably wouldn't talk again for a long time. So let's go on to the next one. Asynthesis. Ascentus? Look, this is, um, what is this? This is another language, okay? I'm having a brain fart right now. But it is the accent fallacy. So this fallacy comes into play when meaning changes depending on where the accent falls. Now, we've all seen memes and videos of someone saying the same thing um, in different, you know, with different afflictions, with different stress on different parts of the word. And this is literally the same thing, but it's when it's done, um, you know, to, that confuses someone. Let's just, I'm going to give you a real world example. Let's say you're making a doctor's appointment. You're on the phone with the nurse or the secretary, whoever's answering the phone. Let's say you're on the phone and you're trying to get your date scheduled. And the lady or man on the phone says, I have a 10 o'clock on Tuesday. Now, that is a statement. 10 o'clock on Tuesday, that's the date that's open. But if they were to take that same sentence and say, I have a 10 o'clock on Tuesday, now it, the stress is on the time. So you're going to, so now the question is asking you, is 10 o'clock okay? That like, that's about the only thing I got open. Are you all right with that? Or if they were to take the same sentence and pose it as I have a 10 o'clock on Tuesday and that again that changes the question now I need to the person needs to know if Tuesday is okay as opposed to is 10 o'clock okay so um a lot of times we see this in comedies um where someone makes a statement one way and it's purposely taken a different way I'm just trying to think of an example Let's say you're being interrogated and the, you know, they sit you down and they tell you you're in here being charged for murder. And then, you know, you get go crazy. Murder? I committed a murder? 
And obviously the affliction in your voice says that you are in shock and that is a question. But the statement itself says I committed murder. So it's an interesting thing. People can use that to try to get out of stuff by changing the affliction of their voice to try to, you know, take the attention off of them to give them more time to come up with a lie. Um, but the next one is the figure of speech fallacy. And this happens when there's confusion between the ordinary sense of a word and the metaphorical literal sense. So an example of that is when someone says, oh, you put your foot in this. So we're used to that phrase. It's a common phrase. It is a figure of speech. But obviously it could have a literal meaning. Now, the confusion in that would come, you know, if you were in a different area that, or, you know, a different country, a different place that wasn't familiar with that, that would just be, you know, confusion. But a lot of times there are people who say things and then try to pass them off like, oh, it's just a figure of speech, you know, uh, oh, you know, it doesn't mean anything. You know, I'm sure we've heard that with some current politicians in office. Oh, you know, we always say that. It's just, you know, locker room talk. Um, or like if someone says, my heart jumped out of my chest. Now, obviously, your heart didn't jump out of your chest. But it does have an actual, you can actually literally, you know, take this phrase and someone who was unfamiliar with these expressions could be very confused. So now on to the next one. So this one is called the accident fallacy and are also called destroying the exception. So this happens when you apply a general rule to all situations knowing there are exceptions or applying a general rule to an irrelevant subject. So, for example, if you say all murderers deserve to die and not taking to the account that if someone tries to kill me and I end up killing them, in self-defense that that person doesn't deserve to die. Not that anyone does, but just for the sake of argument. So anytime people does this, it's when you take a rule or a law and pretend like there are no exceptions to it and, you, and try to apply it to things that you know it wasn't meant for, right? And um, current day situation, this fallacy can be applied to a lot of the perceptions of people who are protesting the COVID-19 quarantine and the stay-at-home orders. So I've heard in some of the videos that people were talking about their Fifth Amendment rights. Now, the Fifth Amendment protects you, protects life, liberty, and property from being taken away by the government, except in due process. Now, obviously, that is a law and law should be followed and no one wants their life, liberty and property fucked with, right? But there obviously can be exceptions to rules and laws and laws are purposely made simple so that they don't have to go back in with all the bureaucracy. Obviously, when they made this law, which was very well needed, no one was thinking about the chance that we might need to take control to save people's lives. So whether you're for it, whether you're against it, that's not really an argument or a debate or that's not the discussion. It We're talking about the art of arguing and the art of debate. So take that how you will. So our next fallacy is the secundum quid. 
which means what is true in a certain respect and what is true absolutely. That means taking a preposition. Now, y'all, don't feel bad because I actually had to look this up too, okay? I obviously had English classes. I passed them all, but I don't recall focusing on all these parts of language and what they're called. <laughs> so, a proposition is a statement or assertion expressing judgment. So anytime you state your opinion or thoughts or something, it is a preposition. FYI, for the, the rest of this or any other ones, it says what is true in a certain respect and what is true absolutely. So it's taking a preposition as premise of an argument and ignoring the restrictions and qualifications that govern it. So. I just want you guys to know also that I actually have to sit here and really try to put these into real world situations for you so that you can understand and be able to apply these to your everyday life. That part was not easy. So my example for the secundum quid is MJ is the greatest athlete of all time. Now, the reason why that is a fallacy is because he did not play every sport, okay? He is not currently playing sports anymore. So while he could arguably be the greatest basketball player of all time, he could not be the greatest athlete of all time. And so take you back to the definition, it's making a preposition as premise of an argument. So that's your judgment and your opinion as premise of an argument and ignoring the restrictions and qualifications that govern it. Meaning that what I told you were restrictions and qualifications. He doesn't qualify for greatest athlete of all time. He hasn't played every sport. He doesn't qualify for that category. He doesn't, he's not even still playing. So obviously there can be greater um, athletes since him in, in time. So that is why that is a fallacy. Not that I've I don't know if I've ever heard that, but I've definitely heard many debates and arguments on MJ skills. So our next policy is the irrelevant conclusion, also known as missing the point. So when you fuck up on this policy, it is when you are presenting an argument that may or may not be logically sound but whose conclusion fails to address the issue in question. So when I said fuck up, I literally meant fuck up. Like, your argument is not even logical. And you're not even hitting the conclusion that you were supposed to be hitting. In my opinion, the only reason how you get to this fallacy is either one, you have no clue what you're talking about. You're just winking it. Or two, you're really just trying to change the subject. So the examples that I came up with for this are, um, mind you, I'm telling y'all, I had to think really long and hard for this. This is the one of the examples I came up to, and this is a conversation between two people. So person A, I don't think we should be doing this. This is wrong. And person B says, no one is going to see us, so we won't get in trouble. Now, none of that statement had anything to do with whether it was right or wrong or whether you should be doing it or not. The fact that no one is going to see you and that you are not going to get caught does not answer the question. And so another example, let's just say it is a couple and 
person A in the couple goes, why are you doing X, Y, and Z? That may be cheating on me. That may be ignoring me. Um, whatever it may be. And then person B says, why don't you trust me? This is the problem. Now, I know we've all heard this. And again, person B's statement and question and their conclusion has nothing to do with what person A asked them or what person A stated. So this would be the irrelevant conclusion or missing the point. Like I said, those people are either have no clue what you're asking them or they are purposely trying to change the subject. Now, our next fallacy is called begging the question fallacy. It is a form of argument where the conclusion is assumed in one of the premises. An example of this question is, I fly all the time. It's the best way to travel. So in this fallacy, you might not recognize it, but it is definitely a fallacy because you never gave a reason why it's the best way to travel. Your premise that you fly all the time is arguing the point that it's the best way to travel. And the best way to travel is, is the premise for why you fly all the time. That is the circular reasoning. There's no actual facts in this statement at all. So I'll give another example. The new Jays are the coldest shoes out. They sold out in the first weekend. Now, they did sell out in the first weekend, but they sold out because they were the coldest shoes out. Do you get like the fallacy here that there's no actual, there's no facts backing this up? That's why it's a fallacy. One just confirms the other. So our next fallacy is the false cause slash questionable cause slash non-causa pro-causa. And this fallacy is concluding that one thing caused another simply because they're regularly associated. Now, I found a good example for this one, and a lot of you are going to relate. So for this fallacy, the example is, every time I walk into the room, so-and-so looks down. I must be the reason they look down. I know some of y'all are going to relate to that. Why is it a fallacy? Because we have two different things. Someone looking down and another person walking in the room. And we have that person associating or correlating those two things together and inferring that one caused the other when there's really no connection. Now, if you haven't gotten it by now, the reason why these things are fallacies is because in an argument, you cannot prove it. Where's your proof? So even if that is the case, even if that is the case, if you don't have proof, it is a fallacy or another one. And I've heard people with these type of sentiments all the time. I feel like older people do this a lot. So this is the next example for our non-causa pro-causa. I've gotten a ticket when I take you to work three times. Taking you to work is the reason I get tickets. Now, how many of us have heard someone rationalize this logic for things that they don't want to do? Now, obviously, it's not logical. If you are driving your own car and you are getting tickets, then your driving must be the reason why you're getting tickets. But if you have other beliefs, like I said, this is not the episode to argue those. I'm just trying to tell you the fallacies. So our next one is called affirming the consequent or the converse error. 
Now, this fallacy is taking a true statement and invalidly inferring its converse, even though it may not be true. So I'm going to give you the definition or the example given on the internet was actually a good one. If the lamp is broken, the room would be dark. The room is dark, so the lamp must be broken or the lamp is broken. Now, obviously, the first sentence is true. The lamp is broken, so the room is dark, right? That's something you can actually see, you can prove. You go in and try to turn the light, no lamp. That's why you're in a dark room, right? Now, the second part, the room is dark, so the lamp is broken, is the part that makes that a fallacy. So you took one thing that was a, a fact and flipped it and the opposite or the, the inverse of it is not equal. The room can be dark for many reasons, okay? It, the, it, the lamp could be unplugged. There could not even be a lamp in there. The light bulb might've just blew. So that's one example. Now I'm gonna give you an example that you can literally apply to your everyday life more so. And this is definitely gonna resonate with a few of you. So the next example for the affirming the consequence fallacy goes, if I was lying about where I was, I wouldn't have answered the phone. Since I answered the phone, I couldn't be lying. Now, I know we've heard arguments similar to this. I know you've heard it. And you have been probably so pissed off you did not know how to respond. And this is why these fallacies are so interesting. So we've already went through 12. I'm going to give you the last fallacy. And this one is definitely going to pique your interest. So this is the fallacy of many questions or complex question fallacy. And this one states, when someone asks a question presupposing something that has not been proven or accepted by all the people involved. Now, this one has a few layers. I thought I should include them. All of these have like are in categories. All of the fallacies are in categories and they have some subcategories and people have come up with even more subcategories as time and technology and, you know, language progresses. But I'm going to give you these because this is probably going to be one of the ones you probably didn't realize the most was a fallacy. So when someone does this presupposes they are, this one you people get away with because this fallacy, the part that makes it a fallacy is dependent on the person who it's directed at. So the person who asked this question or, you know, makes the statement is protected by the way they word it, right? So there are some that are innocent, right? So if I ask you, who is the president of the U.S.? That's cool. Right. Um, it is me assuming that one, there is a president of the U.S., meaning like the title would be president. And two, that someone is actually in that office. Now, where we live at, I live in the U.S., that is a fine assumption to make. It is it is definitely a presumption that, you know, that we have a president or that you know who the president is, but it's a fine of something to make because in the area we live in, right? So it's cool. These are common, it's common knowledge that we have a president and who the president is. Not that big a deal. Now, the next one would technically be a fallacy because I'm asking you a question that assumes information. So if I ask you what the title of Lauren Hill's fifth album is, that would be a fallacy because while 
I am assuming that you know Lauren Hill is a performer or artist. That part is fine, right? He's a public figure. But the part that's a fallacy is that she does not have five albums. So I'm assuming something. And that's why it's dependent on the person it's directed at, if it even matters or not. So if you have no clue who Lauren Hill is, then the whole thing is just like, if that's not even anything in your realm, you're like super old or super young or in a whole culture or place that has nothing to do with anything, you know, but still these are, are not things that are directed directly at the person who's talking. It's about information that in most places are somewhat common. Now, the next one is the one where that gets really dirty. So these are all different branches of the same fallacy, the complex question or the fallacy of many questions. So the next subgroup of this is the loaded question. And I know you guys know what a loaded question is. Point blank, real simple. If I ask you, where did you hide the gun? Then I am assuming that there was a gun and that you know where it is and that you are the one who hit it. Now, you obviously are going to see this on TV all the time in interrogations. It's a way that people use to try to trick people, you know, catch them up in lies by asking them a question in a way as if they already know the answer. And you and so that obviously that's what makes this a fallacy, right? Because all of this is assuming information that the person asking might not even know. And the person they asked you might not know either. But this is probably the out of these 13 anyway, because there are a lot. But at least 13, this one is probably going to be the most problematic because then it puts the person being asked in a position of they are automatically lying. This fallacy is usually the one where you see in the court shows and they're like, I object, I'm badgering the witness or whatever, which is like so freaking amazing because it protects the person asking. That's the best, like the most interesting part about it. If I ask you, so how many times did you sleep with her? Now I get to presume the Oh, it's just an innocent question. I'm just asking a question. Why can't you answer it? And obviously the person on the other end is in major distress because obviously the answer to that question is admitting guilt. So if you don't answer it, you're lying. If you do answer it, you're guilty. So this was just a introduction into fallacies. And like I said, I saw like almost 150 altogether and they get more in depth and they get even more, you know, ridiculous and you don't think that people actually say these things but when you realize that you hear it all the time like they're in every part of ads and promos and especially when it comes to politicians i feel like politicians are the worst at it though because someone might be trying to prove a point but i feel like politicians are put in a position where they know they're wrong they know the information is a lie or they know what they did and they still have to argue against it and that's why they suck at it <laughs> so i've used these many many times i've definitely lied quite a few times in my life and anyone who has lied or been lied to has said these have heard these if you guys want to know more if you want another video if you want more detail if there's anything that you have questions about in any Thing that you hear, 
feel free to go to Twitter or Instagram at finding underscore Fiji, F-I-N-D-I-N-G underscore F-I-J-I. Go to my page, uh, Finding Fiji on Facebook. Anything that you guys want to know, if something interests you, if you just got some shit that you're too lazy to look up, like, uh, I always wondered this, but uh, it's not that big a deal. Let me know. Tell me. I'll do all the work for you. This has been an exciting and super fun episode of Finding Fiji. We have covered the original of 13 fallacies. There are many, many more. I will see you guys next time. Until then, peace, love, and light. Bye-bye.